Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Union Chapel. I'm Greg Paris. We're so thrilled that you've chosen to be with us this morning. Once again, welcome. Glad you're here. We are in a series we're calling Wisdom for the Journey. Everyone knows that facts in our world are readily available. Easy to get facts. As it turns out, you can ask Siri just about any question and get a factual answer in about five seconds. It's a remarkable world. Facts are easily, easily found. Wisdom. You cannot refer to Siri for wisdom. You can't go online for wisdom. You can get wisdom from God, from his word. And so in this series, we're trying to unpack some aspects of wisdom that could help us along the way. Today, I want to talk about the power of receptivity, or another word for it maybe is expectation or anticipation, the power that's released in our lives when we are open and teachable and available for what God wants to say to us and the opportunities he gives us. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to our reference, which we've chosen from the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 3 to 8. Let me give you some context. The nation of Israel has been in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. Nebuchadnezzar is a layman. He's not a priest. He's not a prophet. He's a layman. He works for the king of Babylon. He's a cupbearer. And he has a heart to go back to Jerusalem, which has been left in ruins. And he has a heart to go back there and rebuild the city, rebuild the walls and the city. And so he gets permission from the king because he has access to the king. And he takes as many Jews with him as he can. They go back to Jerusalem. And the book of Nehemiah reports this rebuilding, this amazing rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. And so the story of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, really is a study in leadership management. If you have leadership responsibilities in your life, uh, Nehemiah is a great reference for that. And so with the association of Ezra, the priest in that day, Nehemiah and Ezra lead not just a return to Jerusalem, but a revival of the worship of God and respect for his word. And so we pick up this story now as they're doing a consecration service and Ezra is standing before the people and he's opening the book of the law. This is the law of Moses, which we know as the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, so forth. And you can see the response of the people. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, we'll project these words on the screen. Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning at verse 3. And as is our custom, we stand to hear God's word. Thank you for doing that. And so Ezra read it, the law of Moses, aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Everyone say attentively. Oh, listening attentively. Great virtue. Just add that in there. Verse 4, Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion, and beside him on his right stood six guys, and on his left were seven more guys. 
Verse 5, Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Now, you may wonder why we stand to hear God's word. It comes from this passage. In this period of revival in the nation of Israel, when Ezra opens the book of the law, and just opening the book, people stand in reverence. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. And then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, 13 more guys, instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there, and they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Isn't this a beautiful account? May God enrich us through his word. You may be seated. Thanks so much. Now, I wonder how many of you have already checked out. You've had a long week. It's been a busy week. It's been an tiring week. Maybe you've been working hard. Maybe you've been playing hard. It's summertime, but you're pretty much done. It's the Sabbath. You've come to church. You've made the effort, but I just wonder how many of you are already checked out. The temptation is to reach for your phone, check Instagram, check your Snapchat, make sure the volume's down, check your email, your text. You're just tempted to do that. I wonder how many of you have decided that you are going to take a nap. This is the first chance you've had to really rest the whole week. And you've learned over time how to sleep with your eyes open. And so you're just going to go, just going to go off. You know that there'll be rustling and movement at the end. You'll wake up for sure and be able to stand to your feet at the right time. Some of you are familiar. You've been here for a while, and so you go, well, there's old Pastor Greg. I've heard him before, and so this is more of the same, so I don't really need to tune in. Some of you may be newer to the church. Maybe you're brand new, and you've heard things about the church, and you've heard things about me, and, and so now you've come with some preconceived notions about the life of our congregation and the nature of our worship, and, and you've come with some attitude about that. In fact, you're just looking for things to complain about. Your friend has insisted that you come and you've resented it, and so now you're going to find reasons to complain. You came in, someone said something to you or didn't say something to you that you expected. You came in the room, it was too dark or it was too light. The music was too loud or it was too soft. The cross is too abstract and not traditional enough or vice versa. The people are dressed too casually or too formally. The music... On and on the list. If you wanted to find something to criticize and complain about, uh, you can find it. It's very easy. Very, very easy. I remember I was uh, attending a conference many years ago, and I heard about the keynote speaker for the conference, and I already had preconceived notions about this person. And so I was there, and you know, I, I, I had my arms folded and my, and, my, and my face on, and I was just waiting for this guy to say something I disagreed with so I could really attack him. And the most annoying part of that experience was everything he said God was using to speak into my life. And it just really irritated me. But these things happen. What if, think about this, what if we lived every day expecting God to use every moment, every connection with people to speak truth into our lives and to shape us at the level of our character? What if we lived 
with an attitude of expectation, an attitude of anticipation, and an attitude of receptivity. I'm going to receive whatever God has for me. Wouldn't that make a difference? I think it would. Let me just say a few things about receptivity or expectation. It's on your outline. Here's the first thing I want to say. Receptivity reflects generosity. Now, this makes perfect sense because if you're going to give your time, your energy, your attention, you're going to give an ear to someone who's talking, that's a very generous thing to do. Very generous. Requires that generosity. Look what Jesus said about this this subject in Mark chapter 4. I'll put this on the screen. He said, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear and take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use it, in other words, with the same generosity that you give to someone that God's put in your life to hear from, the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. So if you will be receptive to the voices God places in your life, and you respond to those in a generous way, God will add those voices to your life, and you'll continue to benefit and grow as a result. Jesus said the measure that you generously give to folks who are speaking into your life, God's using in your life, the more that you will grow in your life. People accuse me of saying things I know I've never said. The reason I know I've never said them is I've never even thought them, let alone say them. But it's hard for for us to hear sometimes, isn't it? Raising the boys when they were young, you know, one would say, Dad, 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 Dad. Nothing. And they finally say, Greg, get my name, and now I come to attention. I'm, I'm just as bad as everyone else. It takes an effort. It takes a generous effort to actually hear. Let me just give you a definition then of receptivity. Let me put it on the screen. What I mean by this is quickness to receive, a desire to be stimulated. You're easily trained. You're ready to respond. I don't know about you, but I love being around responsive people. I love being around a responsive church. Amen? I love being around a responsive church. Six or seven weeks ago, I was preaching in Peoria, Illinois, at First United Methodist Church there. It was the end of a mission week for them, and they were uh, taking up their faith promise for world missions that weekend. So I was, I was uh, the last uh, keynote for that event. And this church was one that I looked forward to ministering in. A good friend of mine, Ira Galloway, was the senior pastor at First United Methodist Peoria from 1984 to 1999. So for 15 years, Dr. Galloway preached at First Church Peoria. And as one of my mentors, Dr. Galloway, told me about those 15 years, and apparently God moved in that church. And there was a revival, and lots of lives were changed. It was a great story. So I looked forward to being there. And so the first service, it was at 8.30. The second service was in another part of the building in the fellowship hall. But the first service at 8.30 was in this big traditional sanctuary, First Church, Downtown Church, High Steeple Church in Peoria. And this was a beautiful sanctuary, you know, with all the pews and everything, lots of stained glass windows, big pipe organ. I mean, the choir set up, you know, in a loft above the chancel. It It was very ornate, beautiful. And there were 350 people who came to the 8.30 service. And this is, not, this is not hyperbole. 90% of those people were over the age of 70. So it's a big room full of old people. 
in a, in a big downtown traditional church with the pipe organ going, the whole thing, lots of liturgy, all that. Now, when you hear me describe that, you go, I bet that was pretty sleepy. Just the opposite was true. Under Dr. Galloway's tutelage 25, 30 years ago, these people had come to a meaningful faith in Jesus Christ. And they're still in the church. Let me tell you about these people. They were warm. They were friendly. They were gracious. They were receptive. It was, it was almost surreal to be preaching to that many older adults and find them so expectant and so receptive and so willing and so eager to learn something and to hear something. Isn't that inspiring? I mean, that's a really remarkable thing. And that's why I remark about it. So, <laughs> so that's why I bring it up. You take your kids to Disney World, many of you have done that, or your grandkids to Disney World, and you scrimp and save because, you know, it's a half a year's wage just to get on the bus at Disney World. And so you're there, you've got this big investment, and you get there, and one of the kids, inevitably, one of the kids will go, I'm bored, I want to go home. And of course, you want to just grab the little seven-year-old and, and stuff them in a trash receptacle somewhere and leave them for someone else because you can't comprehend the attitude that exists there. <laughs> Receptivity is such a powerful thing. Um, I love hanging around wide-eyed people. I love people who are wide-eyed. They're, they're full of wonder. They're interested. I want to know today, I want to challenge you. In fact, I want to nudge you. In fact, by the end of this sermon, you, I, I tr my goal is to make you feel pushed pretty forcefully to consider being more receptive in the world around you because it really has great power. So I, 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 want, I hope that you enjoy getting your mind stretched and your spirit built up, your soul stirred up by the great things of God. You'll remember the story of little Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. He had authority from Rome to collect taxes from his fellow Jews, and everybody hated him because he was always taking more than he should, and so he enriched himself. So he was a thief and an extorter, and he was short in stature, and Jesus had a reputation, and he was passing by his town one day, and so Zacchaeus climbed up in a tree in order to get a better vantage. And as Jesus is coming by, he notices this guy. And it's curious that Jesus would notice him because nobody liked him. Everybody hated him. He wasn't on the, on the top of anyone's list of someone you want to invite over or to go over to have dinner with. But yet Jesus stops because he perceives in this guy an openness, an expectation, an anticipation, a receptivity. Could we use the word maybe a desperation? Jesus discerned in this guy. And he stops and he says, hey, what's up with you in the tree? And he says, well, I was just excited to see you. And Jesus said, look, you come on down out of that tree because I am going to your house tonight for dinner. And everyone was stunned, amazed by that. Why would you want to go with this creep? to his house for dinner. But Jesus was drawn to the receptivity of this man's heart. And his life was changed and his family was changed. And it's an amazing moment in this, in this guy's life. And we read about the story in the Gospels. So Jesus sees something in this guy and no one else gets an invitation from Jesus, only Zacchaeus. Let me ask you this question. If your receptivity today was what determined whether Jesus goes home with you. 
Would he choose you? Or would he just pass on by you? Because you don't have any expectation. You don't have any anticipation. You don't have any real openness. There are other issues in your life you're just not much caring today. Would he find you receptive? It's the same desperation and excitement and hopefulness that the four friends of the paralytic found. You know, there were lots of anticipation in the house that Jesus was teaching and around the house, so much so that these guys couldn't find a way in with their paralyzed friends. So they climbed up on the roof, cut a hole in the roof, lowered their friend down on four ropes so that Jesus might heal their friend. And this all worked out. But you understand what motivates people to do such things. They're filled with an expectation. They're filled with faith. They're filled with anticipation. So I think that this is, this is what drives this is what drives all kinds of culture, all kinds of environment, all kinds of places, all kinds of events, a spirit of receptivity. And I get it. I've been going to, I've been going to church for 63 years myself. I was actually baptized as an infant in the Presbyterian church. So I was a Presbyterian the first years of my life, uh, but the Presbyterian church couldn't manage to keep their doors open in our small little town. And so that church closed. And when the Presbyterian church closed, then I became a Methodist. And as a Methodist, I found out that it's not always easy for the Methodists to continue to preach the gospel faithfully. And so at a certain point in my age, I had to hear from someone else outside of my Methodist church tell me about Jesus. So I became a Christian, became more kind of Baptist-like. And then I met some friends and I became more of a Pentecostal charismatic. And then when I went to school, I went to a Wesleyan seminary. And so by the time I got a seminary and started ministry, I was... I was a little confused about who I was, so I describe myself as a Methabapticostal <laughs> at this point. So I've got this wide range of influences. So I've been in so many services, so many conferences, so many groups, so many events, there'd be no way to calculate it. I'm simply wanting you to stretch your hearts so that you'll be receptive as possible to God and His work in your life. That's the idea. Now, this beautiful occasion in Nehemiah chapter 8 is, as I described, this moment that the people haven't heard the word of God for all of these years, and now Ezra, he just, he just starts to open the book. He just anticipates opening the book. It's probably a scroll, and he's just beginning to open a scroll, and people are... And this was at sunup, at sunrise... Thousands of people assembled. Ezra starts to unroll the scroll. Unroll it, unroll it. And he lifts up his voice and he says, Praise be to God, the Almighty God, heaven and earth. He alone is worthy of our praise. And the people go, Amen, Amen. And then they fall down on their faces and they worship God. Friends, that's a spirit of anticipation. That's a spirit of expectation. They were ready. They were ready. They were receptive. They were ready to go. Imagine this. And this is the old covenant. This is before Jesus. And we have, we have this greater promise. We have a more certain hope. Shouldn't we be even more receptive? What if symbolically all of us came to worship? Symbolically, we came every week. And just symbolically, we all came down to the front. Let's went to the front row. 
There are always seats open in the front row. What if we just all came down to the front row and we were there on time? We got there before anything started. We were ready. We were expectant. And every second of the worship, we were fully engaged. We prayed the prayers. We sang the songs. We listened to the teaching of God's word. We stayed until the very end, until, until the benediction is pronounced, until we leave. And just symbolically, that's how we live our lives. Wouldn't that be something? Listen, I was a knucklehead when I was a kid, and I had values that were a little upside down. And one of the things that I was confused about was the importance of education. This wasn't a high value in our family, and so I didn't quite get that. I, I got a lot of great things. I got a good work ethic. I got a sense of responsibility. I understand faithfulness and marriage. I got a bunch of great values for my family. But education wasn't one of those values. So I remember going to school, and, and as school would start, you know, the first day of class, and you go into the classroom, and in my case, there were very rarely times when seats were assigned. And so where did I go? I went to the back. went to the back of the room because my psychology was, you know, you're less responsible if you're in the back. <laughs> and so, so I always sat at or near the back of the room all the way through school. I got out of school, and, and that, that was still kind of a, a bad attitude of mine. And I was going to a conference one day with a very good friend. And so we walked into this room. It was a big room. Lots of people were assembling. It was a big deal. We're looking forward to learning a lot. And I walked in, I got about six or eight rows in, and I just turned and I went down because there were a couple of seats. And I was going to sit down, and my friend, he just kept going down the aisle. I said, Where are you going? He said, I, He went like this. So I, I got out of, my, out of my seat and followed him down there. He went all the way to the front. He went way down to the front and sat down. There's always two seats open in the front, front and center. That's where we sat down. I said, What's with the front row? What's with front and center? And he just looked at me like, Hey, dopey, you always get more when you're in the front. That's all he said. He said, you always get more when you're in the front. <laughs> now, that may or may not be actually true. I mean, if you're in the room, you can get it. But you understand the attitude. You understand the expectation. You understand the receptivity. You understand the anticipation. You understand... That if you bring your mind and your heart and your person and you bring it and you're going to be generous with your receptivity and you're going to be open-minded and you're going to be ready to receive and you're going to be expectant that Almighty God is going to do something in my life and our lives together, wouldn't that change the way we do worship? I mean, wouldn't that change the whole thing? Wouldn't it change the way we experience God together? I just think it would. So that leads me to say number two, write this down. Receptivity charges the atmosphere of my life. It really does. It changes the atmosphere. It charges it. What I believe is that no matter how enthusiastic the pastor may be, the preacher may be, or the worship leader may be, or, or the friendly the greeters are, that sort of thing, no matter that, it's all of us together that depend and determine on what kind of experience we're going to have together. You know, it doesn't matter how, how much comes from the front. If there's not receptivity, expectation from everybody in the room, the atmosphere will be affected by that. And I just want to say that not only does it affect worship services, I think it affects everything. I think it affects your family. 
I think it affects your business. I think it affects your school. I think it affects the whole community. A spirit of receptivity, of expectation that God is going to do something important, meaningful, life-changing here. So you are the one who controls the atmosphere of your home. You are the one who controls the atmosphere and the culture of your business. You're the one who controls the culture of your school. I believe that. I believe that. I think, I think that you can make your preacher better by your receptivity. You can make your teacher better by your receptivity. You can make your coach better by your receptivity. You can, you can make your boss better by your receptivity. You can make your parents better by your receptivity. Are, are you, do you have an ear for this? Jesus said, if you have an ear, then, then hear it. And the measure that you hear it, it'll be measured back to you. What a wonderful promise that is. Now, let me say thirdly, write this down. Number three, receptivity will open doors in your life. Will open doors in your life. Now, we talked about Zacchaeus. I mean, what a great opportunity for Jesus to go home with him. Look at, look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 8. I'll put that on the screen. I know your work, see. I've set before you an open door. And no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. So here's, the, here's a promise to us. That if, that if we have a little strength, faithful to God's word, don't turn our back on God. That God promises to open doors. Open doors for us. That no one can shut. Here's what I believe. If you live your life wide-eyed, receptive, enthused, then you can be sure doors will open to you. We interview people here all the time for our staff. It's, it's just if you manage a business or a small business or have any experience with this sort of thing, you know that human resources is a great challenge, and it's a great challenge in the life of the church as well. But in the, even in the last year, we've interviewed a number of candidates for a number of positions on our staff, and, and I try to be in those interviews as much as I possibly can. And it's just been fascinating to me to look at the demeanor of folks that come in. And some are right on point, and they're very enthused, they're very receptive, they're eager, they're, they, they present well, and it's all good. And those folks usually get hired. But then we've had cases just in the last few months. A candidate comes in for a full-time ministry position in the life of our church, and I swear it looks like they're, they're wearing the clothes they slept in. And their hair's, their hair's all messed up. And they're kind of slouching in their chair. And they're a little glazed over, a little dull. There's no expect expectation. There's no enthusiasm. There's no wonderment. Tell me about your sense of call. Tell me what you're good at doing. Tell me why you'd want to do this job. Tell me what you're passionate about. And, you know, it's kind of flatlined. Do you know what chance there is of me hiring someone like that? Zero. There is no chance of hiring someone like that. So you thank them for coming. Not sure why you did. You know, slumber on home to your mother's basement where you came from. You want to live your life with the doors always closed? Then don't create any expectation, don't have any anticipation. Don't live with a sense of wonder. Don't, don't live with a receptive heart. Just, just, just imagine that 
everything's closed to you. There's no hope for you. There's never going to be an opportunity for you. Everybody's against you. Nothing's ever going to work out. Just live your life that way. Listen, what I'm telling you today is a powerful thing. It may be a very simple point I'm making, but it is a profound point. Very important. Essentially important. Receptivity opens doors. There's no room for mediocrity. There's no room for status quo. There's no room for the people of God to live your life going along with the flow. Same lame, tame expectations that you have month after month, year after year. People don't realize how familiarity and going with the flow and status quo and just getting stuck in place, how stagnating that can become in their lives. It really, really does. So I want to challenge you today to live your life coming to the front row, singing the songs loudly and expecting to receive from God. Yeah, yeah. Now listen, let me just say, as you get older, this becomes more difficult. This becomes harder. As you get older, you naturally want to settle. You naturally want to uh, establish a lifestyle where you're risk-averse, you're change-averse, you have no interest in budging from where you are. So, you know, you get stuck. Some people are stuck in 1984. Some people are stuck in 1999. Some people are stuck in 2005. You can't get stuck. And the older you get, the more temptation there is to get stuck, you know. I just don't want to be that old grumpy pastor always talking about the good old days. I'm not going to do it. I refuse. I refuse to do it. But you've got to fight it because there's temptation to do that. I have this urge occasionally. My My wife has permission She's not here today. She's working over in the children's area. She, she has permission. Anytime she sees this tendency in me, she calls me on it. And this is, this is the little routine we have because there's this, there's this uh, proverbial old grumpy man who sees children playing in his front yard and he grabs a rake and goes running out going, hey, get off of my yard, right? <laughs> so that's the phrase she uses. When she catches me being a grumpy old man, she goes, hey, get off of my yard, <laughs> You might try it at home. It's, it's very effective. It shakes me right out of it because nobody wants to be that guy. Listen, there are only two kinds of people at Union Chapel. There are young people and there are people who are young at heart. Because God is, God is not content with the status quo. You, you may say, you know, God's perfectly happy with me right where I am. You, you're deceived because God's never happy with where you are. He may have brought you to the place where you are, and that may be a good place that he's brought you to, but he doesn't want you to stay there. He wants to take you further. You know, when you're driving a car, you only glance in the rearview mirror. You spend most of your time looking at the windshield. That's how you go through life as well. And that's how you do life most effectively. And this is when doors will open in your life. Yes. Here's here's a point I want to make. I'll put it on the screen. If you live receptive then your desires will be greater than your obstacles. If you live receptive, then your desires will overcome. Listen, if you follow Jesus, if you serve Jesus, there are going to be obstacles. You okay with that? It's It's not easy. If you want easy, 
then you've got to wait. Wait till heaven. There won't be any resistance there. But in this life, you will have tribulation. And the Bible says the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. So you can expect buffeting. You can expect resistance. You can expect obstacles. So just heads up. And if you want to be receptive, if you want to be receptive and live with an expectation and an anticipation of what God's going to do next in your life, you just got to be ready because it's not going to be easy. There'll be some things you've got to get through and around. Yeah, absolutely. But if you genuinely live your life receptive, then your desires will be greater than whatever those obstacles are. Maybe you've met someone like this. I've met a number of people like this. That when, that when desperation comes to their lives, hard time comes, you know, their marriage gets into crisis or their business starts to fail or they get a bad diagnosis health-wise, this tends to make people desperate and understandably. And by the way, desperation isn't always a bad thing because anything that drives you toward Jesus is actually good. You pray better when you're desperate, for example. But I've had folks like this in my office, and it's been just an interesting observation for me that people kind of live their lives in this dull state without any expectation. They're just going along to get along and just going with the flow. And in some cases, for example, in a marriage relationship where you're just not attentive to your spouse and you, you develop patterns that are, con that are, that are converse to, to a healthy marriage, and then you get to a crisis point. And now suddenly everybody wants to get serious about Jesus. And this is, I've seen this many, many times. Maybe you have. Maybe you've experienced this in your life. Where you suddenly, you know, you get desperate. And you start praying. So I start counseling folks. And folks will say, you know, I've been praying. Every time I pray, God speaks to me. It's amazing what I'm hearing from God. And anytime I open the Bible, I receive something that I need to have for this journey. God is really touching my life. And when I get to worship, I've never been so close to Jesus in all of my life. Now, the marriage is ruined, people, but people get desperate and they get close to God. Here's my, here's my only question. Is, you know, it's a, you get closer to Jesus, it's good. It's all good. And people getting closer to him and his word and worship, that's good. That's good. Here's my question. Why not live that way all the time? Why not live that way all the time? Why not be receptive to what God's saying in your life all the time? Why not be open-minded, open-hearted, ready to receive, eager to learn? open to God's ideas, open to the challenges he gives me so that I can take the next step in the journey. Why not live that way all the time? It's a fair question, isn't it? Because when I describe it to you, you go, wow, that's, that sounds like fun. That sounds like dynamic. That sounds like an adventure. And it is, it really is an adventure to follow Jesus that way. Let me give you a prayer, no matter your age in the room. If you don't take anything else away from this sermon, take this prayer home with you. Look at it. Be Lord of what's left of my life. Be Lord of what's left of my life. Isn't that a good prayer? In other words, I'll be receptive, Lord. You're the guide. You're the counselor. You're the director. You're the driver of my life. Help me to make you Lord. Help me to follow you with what's left of my life. That's a good prayer right there. That'll keep your heart and your mind receptive to what God is doing in your life. That day that Ezra took the scroll, imagine it, it was a book, and he just started to open it, started to open it. 
acted like he was going to open it. And the people were receptive. They were expectant. They were anticipating. They were ready. And when he opened the book, people broke out into spontaneous worship. And you just missed your chance right there. I, I went, I waited, I waited, I kept waiting, opened the book, nothing. Hmm. Preaching to a painting. Hilarious. All right, here's the, here's the last. I know you're out there, I can hear you breathing. Welcome to my world. Last point, watch. Receptivity will trigger action in your life. Action in your life. Ezra 7.10, for Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach it. Ezra had prepared his heart for this moment. Isn't that beautiful? Now let me tell you what will will be enemies of receptivity in your life. One is familiarity. Well, I've been coming to this church for a while. You know, I've heard Pastor Greg talk about this before. Ho-hum, whatever. So familiarity, it does breed contempt sometimes, and it will hinder your receptivity. Jesus went back home. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, describes the occasion. Jesus went back home to do ministry, and it didn't work very well because they go, oh, yeah, we remember Jesus. We remember him when he was a squirt. He was the oldest of that brood of kids from Joseph and Mary. He was the odd one, and we understand now he's a big shot. He's a big shot rabbi now, and he's come back home. Well, I knew him when he was a little guy. It's no big deal. The Bible says that he could, he could do not many miracles there. Because people were closed off by familiarity. So you have to shake that off if you can. Another thing are hurts and wounds and offenses. You have to deal with those because that can block receptivity to God's work in your life. So I'm just, I just mentioned those. And then the last thing I'll say, I've listed seven things right in your bulletin at the bottom of that outline, things that will build anticipation, expectation, receptivity in your life. Very simply, live with anticipation, attend opportunities to hear God's word, absorb it like a sponge, be attentive to what you hear, express appreciation and gratitude for it, Begin to apply it in your life. Seek ways to aid those around you in service. These are the sorts of things that will build and enhance receptivity. Now let me summarize. Let me summarize everything I've said. One sentence, we're done. Ready? Here's the summary. You live your life receptive, and then you see how far God can take you. Live your life receptive. See how far God can take you. Amen? Stand up with us as we pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for your word, this wonderful story. Help us to be people of faith, of expectation, of anticipation. Make us a receptive people, we pray. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.